Hello and welcome to another episode of CryptoCast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Henry Burrows, CEO at Hoptrail, a blockchain data firm that specialises in crypto source of funds reporting. Hi Henry, it's great to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. So I think that the first thing you think it would be useful just to talk about is just a little bit as to what we mean by crypto source of funds and what the challenges are actually when you are assessing crypto source of funds. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it's crypto source of funds is is a slightly kind of different approach to what many people in the crypto space might sort of recognize as, as blockchain analytics. So the, the, uh, the platforms that do transaction monitoring and tracing for us, um, it's a slightly different approach and and, uh, and I'll, ex- I'll explain why why we do it in a bit but um if you think that most most sort of businesses out there that are in the analytics world you know, doing tracing and they, they they start with a criminal event or a, a red flag issue and and roll out to find the perpetrators you know, a lot of investigations tools and tracing tools out there that do that for us crypto source of funds is about re-engineering that whole process so you're starting with a, cl- a person, a client of ours, um, and your and their crypto assets, and you're then looking out to find red flags um, and and assess, verify, um, qualify it, it, their their funds, their proceeds, their portfolio, so that they can go on to do a variety of different things, whether that's you know buying a house or you know sending it to their tax and accounting to prove their source of funds. Um, or even just extending it, sending it out to exchanges and things like that to, to show that their funds are legitimate. I think one of the biggest challenges of, of, of crypto is, is the transition of, from crypto to traditional finance, like transitioning your crypto earnings and proceeds into the real world, so to speak. And I actually don't think there's a real service out there that sort of bridges that gap. This is why we exist, to try and do that, to try and say, OK, look, you want to, you know, you made a lot of money in crypto and there are a lot of people out there that have, um, but they're sitting on millions in, in whatever it might be, Shiba Inu or Ethereum or Dogecoin or something like that. And to actually kind of prove that, that those funds are legitimate and to transition them into the real world, into a bank or, or you know, for conveyancing purposes or whatever it might be, it's really difficult. Um, it's really tough when, you know, you speak to, I've had this recently. You know, clients coming to me saying, I've just, you know, had a conversation with my solicitor um, buying property and I've explained my source of funds. And and that source of funds is, you know, I, I made, you know, I invested £10,000 into a into a token called Aquagoat on an exchange called PancakeSwap and I made a million pounds six months later. That to your average regional solicitor sounds kind of bonkers. <laughs> You know, how, how on earth you explain that to them to say, actually, no, it's legitimate. So it's kind of why we exist. And that's what we're here to do is to say, do you know what? We can do that for you. We can explain it. We can look at the blockchain data and we can help you out to, to, to actually transition your funds um, to be able to use them in the real world. And it's interesting how you talk about, the, you know, you've got this sort of tension effect between kind of an old world and a new world. Uh, I think we could just have a little bit on what the biggest concerns you're seeing with more traditional finance having when it tries to simulate itself with crypto compliance, because quite a lot of people now want to do more in crypto. But, you know, as you said, there, there is that class. So, so what sorts of concerns are you starting to see? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there, there, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a 
a bottleneck there that has been there for a while, but it has the tensions built up and that, you know, largely because 2021 was such a fantastic year for the crypto market. And more and more people have invested. There are more people playing around with crypto. And now there are other types of crypto out there from DeFi to NFTs. And a lot of people have made a lot of money in kind of weird and wonderful ways and difficult to explain ways, um, legitimate, but really difficult to verify. So I think traditional finance kind of sees that. Um, there was always, I think when we last spoke, that we would talked about the sort of, you know, the age old perception that crypto is kind of this um, slightly dodgy asset class that's the um, that's for money launderers and, and fraudsters and scamsters. And that, if you ever read the mainstream press, is what is how crypto is characterized um, in, in the public conscious. And, and it's it's been a challenge the last few years to kind of um, you know, push it, push back against that. And that's one of the issues that we still have. Um, traditional finance still does see that, that has that perception of crypto as inherently more risky than other, other assets. I think that's really unfair, but it takes time to kind of educate and, and, and get traditional finance and institutions to kind of accept that that's the case. Um, and, you know, that's one issue is the education side of it, getting people used to the idea of, 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 crypto being something that's going to be more widely used but also there's the whole complexity of crypto you know having you know uh, banks and other institutions now having to deal with you know nfts um and different standards so just take uh, ethereum you erc20 which is DeFi, erc721 which are nfts all these terms and phrases and, and different types of things to get your head around it's really really complicated and when you're a regulated business and when you're doing doing a regulated activity, the biggest fear, uh, the biggest concern that anyone would have is, you know, am I unwittingly sort of, um, you know, dealing with the proceeds of crime or, or you know, uh, handling proceeds that have been, you know, gotten in unusual, suspicious ways that I just don't know because it's impossible for me to really understand what's going on. Um, I, I think... You know, if, what we always say, the, the irony is that it's much easier to analyse crypto transactions than it is to analyse fiat transactions. And because all the data is publicly available, all the transactions are out there. So if you know what you're doing, you know how to to uh, look in the right areas to, to actually sort of answer these questions about AML risks. Um, but again, as I said, you know, at the start, it's just a question of education. It's really... Um, you know, it's a slow, it's a slow process, but it's beginning to happen. You're seeing more and more banks and investment houses and law firms and, and corporates getting used to the idea of it. But it's such a fast moving market. As soon as you've got your head around Bitcoin and Ethereum, you're on to DeFi. You're like, right, what is that? And then suddenly you're on to NFTs. You've got to deal with the whole issues around NFTs, which we'll, we'll talk about later. But yeah, those, those are the, the main sort of concerns I think tr traditional finance has. No, it's funny how one of the things you touch on uh, is research around crime. And one of the favorite things I had was a statement by one of the organized crime people last year where he said that he didn't like the idea of being associated with crypto because it was far too volatile and it was so much easier to launder money through the traditional system. Why on earth would he do something as dodgy as crypto? And as a mafia organization, he would stick with more traditional, good, solid fruits to launder money. I thought it was an <laughs> interesting, different take on the whole thing. Yeah, that's, that's a strange take. But um, I mean, you, you look back on t sort of 
2015, 16, 17, you said you were into crypto. People kind of looked at you weirdly. Um, and you know, that is only just now sort of changing as well. You know, to say you're in crypto, people start going, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, what it is it? What is it that you do? It's matured in, in a good way, but it just takes time. And, and that's one of the biggest issues that they have is you know, the perception problem, the complexity, and then finding the tools and how to use them. And just on that, the, the how you use the tools point, I think one of the interesting points is, is you know, people are coming into crypto who may have come from completely different backgrounds. And, and some of this is kind of new to people as to how they should check things like source of wealth. Um, when people are kind of using blockchain analytics type platforms or services, what are the common pitfalls that you tend to see people making? Are there things people should be aware of when using these sorts of services? Well, I mean, blockchain analytics is is really powerful to, as a really powerful tool, but it's also um, quite quite sort of scary. You know, if you ever use one of these platforms, there's you know, an enormous amount of data being chucked at you, and data that, as I just said, you know, comes attached with sort of all kinds of weird provisos and you know scorings from one to a hundred and traffic light systems and and all of the blockchain data the metadata and everything else it's actually really difficult to get your head around and to kind of understand that if you're a compliance officer in a bank you know in it to, to really get to grips with it takes uh, you know a good a good year or so just to really kind of bed down the idea of what it is that these platforms are showing you and how it's showing you um the data so i think one of the key pitfalls is just sheer complexity um, and finding ways to simplify the complexity um, that makes it easy for you know somebody that just wants to run simple AML checks um, be able to actually do their job and make decisions accordingly in alongside that is a sort of the, the, the ability to see so much on the blockchain <clears throat> you know you can see not just your counterparty's transactions, but their transactions and their counterparty's transactions up to 100, 1,000 hops away. So if you started to look look at that and extrapolate out that far, you've got red flags all over this shop. You know, you you, you suddenly find that all for, particularly in Bitcoin, you know, almost everything, you know, will have run through some kind of high risk entity or event, you know, a dark web marketplace, a scam or a hack, touch points to exposure to those things. And you start to go, oh, my God, you know, this is just so overwhelming. It's impossible to make a decision. So a lot of a lot of, you know, firms out there just go, it's just too much for us to handle. Um, and I think that that is the difficulty that platforms that have been made by blockchain developers throw out so much data um, that it's almost impossible to really discern what the risks are and what, what's appropriate to be to be looked at. I think that's one of the things we we always talk about is like simplicity, like stripping out the un unnecessary stuff, keeping it dead simple. Um, you know, a lot of our reports are just written in narrative form, you know, English. Uh, everyone everyone can understand a story, and everyone's portfolio is has a start and a finish. So if you take those simple tenets, it's very easy then to construct a narrative that works for somebody who says, "I need to get to grips with this counterparty's source of funds," so I need to know. You know the GBP. At what point the, the the money got invested? What happened to trading in the middle? And then when they sold out, or where their their their, their crypto is being held. Um, so that's that's the other part to it, which is um, 
trying to construct that in a way that makes that makes sense. Um, and, and, and one of the, I guess, the differences from us is that when we're looking at somebody's portfolio as a high net worth individual, almost never does anybody come to us saying, hey, you know, especially not these days, at least. Oh, I invested in, you know, Bitcoin 2014 and I just sat on it until now and I'm going to sell it. Because what really happens is that, you know, you get to sort of, you buy Bitcoin first, then you get sort of bored with that. And then you buy Ethereum. And then you start to enter the DeFi world and suddenly you're buying crazy tokens. Um, and you've got, you know, wallets all over the place. And then you're you're going on to OpenSea and, you know, messing around buying some NFTs and stuff. And you've got, even just on Etherscan, if you're looking at your assets, you know, different types of assets it's all over the place different venues different blockchains and how do you bring all of that together um so when somebody sends us data they send us all of their deposit addresses for the assets that they hold we're able to kind of kind of like bring everything together in one easy to understand um report that shows all of the all of the various assets the sources and destinations of those funds and puts them together in into into one report that that kind of makes sense rather than going hey look at this really great chart that shows the tracing of all the funds over here there and everywhere because as much as that looks really cool really good it's just it just adds to the confusion and 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 that's always going to be crypto's biggest problem it's like just just you know it's almost impossible to, for a, a new person to just inherently understand what's going on it takes such a long time to get to get your head around it it's interesting you mentioned NFTs simply because on one level that they look deceptively simple, but another actually there's quite a lot of complexity around it. And in particular, there is a question at the moment regarding the value of different NFTs and, and what's causing the value to be so high for certain NFTs, given that arguably behind some of these, there's not so much of substance, which you can easily understand. What do you see as the challenges regarding the kind of gold rush we're currently seeing towards NFTs? I mean, uh, NFTs or you know, some people just, you know, describe them as fancy JPEGs, which I think is a bit unfair because actually, you know, NFTs really do have, uh, there are use cases out there for NFTs that are really compelling, but we just haven't quite got there yet because, you know, we're all, all in the digital art world. Um, and that's that's great because I mean it's 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 a good place to start, um, and it's really interesting to see how it is developing and how it's evolving. Um, you know, if you think about how quickly stuff moves, you know, OpenSea, for example, the main sort of NFT marketplace these days, it's only I don't know 20, 20 staff. It's valued at thirteen billion, and it's been going since twenty seventeen. So you know the speed with, with which that business has developed and the value it's now got is is pretty phenomenal. It just means that those kind of things attract, you know, so much action and, and activity that it inevitably some of that does veer into the illegal. Um, and that's what we see with with NFTs at the moment. I mean, you know, the recently, um, you know, OpenSea did, I think they estimated that sort of 80 percent of the NFTs that were minted on their platform were probably scams um that's a huge number it's 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 amazing that they even admitted that but it's a massive percentage um so there is again once again there's a perception that fraud is quite widespread with with nfts and you know i'm sure you know that the, the story about you know 
wash traded all the stories about wash trading out there you know if i create an nft stick it on OpenSea, i can use another wallet to purchase that for you know 10 ethereum um now i've got 10 ethereum and an asset worth 10 ethereum so I, people that that does happen a lot too and that's that's just a value inflation artificially inflating these the value of these nfts um to sort of get people interested um and that's a problem too um, but it's so early on in this world it's kind of the world wild west a little bit for nfts that um that that you know it's it's bound to happen i think it will settle down over time but the uh, blockchain and the good news is that that it's again it's all publicly available any nfts that are purchased are all on the blockchain you can go and see them you can go and see how much they were sold for who bought them who sold them all that stuff allows you to kind of create um analytics that show whether something has been purchased that that sort of is out of the ordinary from prior purchases or whether something has got sold for a, a price that's much lower than the floor price of a certain collection um so you can do all of that stuff and it's really you know it's it's one way of actually sort of detecting the frauds and, and scams within within the nft world it's really sort of important to be able to do that um you know and the other thing is that i don't know if you actually you know own or 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 sort of have dabbled with nfts but collections tend to be kind of um communities right the community driven so board apes and 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 things like that there's a big community out there for those things and the price is driven by community activity and if you ever sort of get involved in one of these communities it's really interesting to see how how that community is driven mostly on things like twitter and discord where the creators the guys that are running the 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 nft collection are encouraging people to share um tweets and posts to change their profile picture to encourage others to buy um assets and if you do then you'll get one free from an, uh, you know from the next mint and all this stuff kind of you know feeds into this hysteria and this sort of hype about nfts and it has caused asset inflation um that i think many people in in years to come are going to find that you know they've been caught with you know big nft bags and that are pretty valueless um and that's a that's a that's not necessarily a illegality or anything it's just a kind of you know something to be careful about with nfts and and you know we see it more and more with the cases that we do people are buying nfts and holding them and selling them and you just have to be really careful about um what it is that you're you're dealing with and, and using the data on the blockchain to kind of understand a little bit more about whether they're legitimate or not or or, or how those things are kind of panning out from an aml perspective if that if that makes sense yeah it does yeah. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that kind of pans out because you know the nft market is kind of moment occurring is a bit like the ico market as it was there was a huge hype it then fell apart for a while and then it starts to come back again and i think nfts are clearly here to stay but whether they're here to stay in the current form is a is a far more open question uh and you know we've seen some brilliant projects coming out but we're also seeing some when you look at it you, you do wonder what the main drivers are behind it i'm afraid that that's what we've got time for for today if anyone listening would like to reach out to Henry. His email is henry at hoptrail, that's H-O-P-T-R-A-I-L dot I-O. 
Henry, it's been fantastic having you on. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Gunner Cook has a market-leading blockchain, crypto assets and DeFi team, providing legal advice across the whole of the blockchain ecosystem. Our members have been heavily involved in helping shape the legal and regulatory framework for blockchain and crypto assets from the start, meaning that we have an intuitive understanding of our clients' needs and can provide focused, pragmatic advice at predictable cost. For more information, please visit our website. Thank you again.